It's time for Breathe Again Magazine, the radio show. A moment of hope, inspiration, and solutions. Listen to real-life testimonies from women and men just like you who have gone from victim to victorious. Sit back, listen, connect in the chat room, and share the show with a friend. Here's your host, author, and motivational speaker, Nicole Cleveland. Welcome to this episode of Breathe Again, the radio show podcast. It is a miracle my guest is alive today. Andre McGee was in the hospital for six weeks due to COVID-19, forced to go on dialysis because his kidneys were shutting down. He says that he was near death. Today he is here. He is walking and he is talking and he is a miracle. He is grateful to see another day. You don't want to miss this victorious testimony. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. We're happy to be here. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So look, I believe that your story is phenomenal. I believe that people need to hear what you've gone through and what you've come out of. And I'll tell you, I was researching and I was out on online and on the internet and I was plugging away and I was hashtagging, looking for COVID survivors. And I was Um, just really doing my research, looking for the right person to bring on the show. And I came across you, Felicia. And I came across some of your posts that you were making in regards to your husband that was dealing with COVID-19 at the time. And I believe he was in the hospital at that time. And I really want to talk about your story. And I brought the both of you on the show because I believe that it's not just Andre's story. It's Felicia's story as well, because Andre, you went through it and you were in the hospital, but Felicia also went through it as well. And I know it affected your body, but wow, mentally, Felicia, and what you had to deal with and what you had to go through, um, my heart goes out to you and you, of course, Andre. Um, But let's go back. I I really want to read something because this is what really prompted me to to reach out to you and have you on the show. And this audience is uh, one of the Facebook posts that really touched my heart. It says, we want you to know your husband is very sick, Miss McGee. His heart rate went up to 240 and we had to shock his heart. The voice on the other end of the line became indistinguishable as silence took hold of my throat and a white knuckle suffocating grasp of anguish and unyielding despair. I stood frozen, unable to hear or process the words conveyed by the doctor's voice until his organs are failing. We need permission to place your husband on dialysis. As though jolted by the lightning of force of grace, I provided consent with the team. Yes, do whatever you have to do in order to save his life. Wow. It read like a a book. It read like a page in a fiction book, but it definitely was not fiction. 
take me to that that day, Felicia. Take me to when the doctors um, told you that his organs were failing. Um, it, it was it was a day unlike any other, just because at this point I had been awake for probably about a 36 hour period from the time I had dropped him off to the hospital. Um, as we moved through uh, through him being dropped off, them uh, finally acknowledging he was admitted and then just moving from a regular floor to critical care and then ICU. And this is um, a conversation that happened after I had spoken with the nurse about an hour earlier who had alerted me that his heart rate was increasing, that the temperature he had, which was at 105, they were having trouble getting it down, and that because he was so activated and anxious and that heart rate was increasing, the sure. next call would be a call that they would be placing him on a ventilator although he had through the entire experience been breathing on his own. So when I got this call, it was quite shocking for me because I, I, of course, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought that they were going to say they were going to put him on the ventilator. And instead the doctor led the conversation with this thing about the heart rate uh, going up. And the reason that it really kind of sucked the life out of me and I, 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 uh, nearly emotionally collapsed in that moment or was frozen was because I had just been reading about a lot of what was happening in Detroit and had came across something that indicated that in the Detroit hospitals, they were doing a universal do not resuscitate order. Mm -hmm. my God. So with this in the back of my mind, when he mentioned the heart, my first thought was, he coded and they didn't resuscitate him. I oh mean, it, my thoughts had moved that fast. And so the pause that seemed forever, which it wasn't, but it felt like that when the doctor then proceeded to um, go on to say what else was happening, it was like a, a, a big exhale, so to speak. And I remember my son, my youngest son and I were here in the house kind of frozen because he was looking at me waiting to hear what I had to say. And, uh, and I said, uh, and he heard me say to the doctor, you know, do whatever you need to do to save his life. Yeah. And so I, after getting off the phone, I told my son, uh, they were going to place, uh, his dad on dialysis and my son just kind of, you know, the breath just kind of went out of him further. And, you know, I remember standing in the floor, looking at my son and said, I'll take dialysis over death. My God, my God. Andre, Andre, Andre. Yes, yes. <laughs> Living, walking, talking, breathing wow. miracle. It's amazing. It's yeah, really amazing. yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I was on your page and I was looking at you when you were doing a video. And then I was looking at the pictures of you when you were in the hospital. Take me back to how long were you sick? How long were you in the hospital? You were put on a ventilator. What in the world was going on at that time, like in your mind? Well, let me let me start with this. My first week or so, I didn't know anything. I was out. Mm. I didn't even know where I was. My God. I was so sick that, uh, I mean, I slept. I felt like I slept for almost a week and didn't even wake up. Um, my wife 
told me everything that happened. She took, like I said, she just stated that um, my heart rate was up. My fever was at 105 for seven days, sugar up to 600. Uh, they put a port in, in my leg and that didn't work. So they had to put a port up here so they could do dialysis because my organs, my kidneys were uh, failing. And I'm going to tell you, I was close to death as, as anybody could be. My God. And, and I'm going to share this because I, I, I really want to share this. Even going through that, I was laying in the bed and I felt this cool breeze. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was uh, air conditioned, but I felt like God was there with me. Mm. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have to go on a, a ventilator. They wanted to put me on there, but for some reason, God allowed me to breathe on my own the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Doctors were shocked that I was still breathing on my own. They were shocked. They were amazed. Yeah. And so as weeks went past, uh, I was doing dialysis. Um, I couldn't even move. I lost all feeling in my legs. I walked into the hospital. On your I own. On my own. I walked mm-hmm. in there. About, about two or three weeks in, I realized I couldn't move my legs. Now, how long were you hospitalized? I was in there for six weeks. Wow. Six yes. weeks. Yes. But ma'am. you were and never I, on I a ventilator. I'm sorry. But you were never on a ventilator. Never. Mm. Now, they, they were stating that they might call Felicia and tell her, hey, if anything go wrong, we're going to put him on there. But I just like I just said, I believe God was with me the whole time. And that's why they didn't put me on a ventilator. And when you had to go on dialysis, you, you uh-huh. weren't previously on dialysis, right? No, this ma'am. Was... No, ma'am. This is all new. Ooh. The only thing, the only thing that I had that I was dealing with that was uh, before this was uh, my sugar. I am a, a diabetic, mm-hmm. and uh, let me be honest, I wasn't uh, taking care of myself like I should. Uh, but after this, going yeah. through this, uh-huh. I take care of myself now. Yes, sir. I, I see you out there myself. exercising and walking and dancing yes. and stuff. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I, 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 I thank God right now, and I hope I can say that. Absolutely. I, I, I really praise God because it was a time in my process that I thought that a lot of stuff was going to go wrong. Like I was going to never walk again. My wife was going to have to take care of me. And we had this thing, and I hope she don't mind me sharing this because I want somebody to really hear this. We made a pact with each other that when we got married, we didn't marry each other to push each other in a wheelchair. Now, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that if we so happened to be in a wheelchair, we wouldn't push each other. But it was something to say, you know what? We got married to be here to, you know, do this. And we're not going to be pushing each other in the wheelchair. And you know, that sparked me, even in this pandemic, when I was going through to do better. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And so within the four, uh, five weeks, I had to learn how to walk all over again. I lost my taste, my smell, everything. My God, my, my, my. But today and after that. Yes, but today. So when you was released from the hospital, yes, what 
were some of the, what was the rehabilitation? Did you have to go to therapy? Did you have to, what, how did you get back to where you are today? Oh man, that's an awesome question. Well, it started with this. <laughs> I ain't gonna never forget. I had a physical therapist come into my room and I was, I didn't realize that uh, I was going through uh, anxiety or depression. Mm, that's um, good. Yeah, let me, let me speak on mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Because it, it's been many times that I believe I've experienced that, but I, I didn't really, really know what it was until I went through this. And we kind of just push it to the side. Yeah, we kind of like, like, oh, okay. like, act like it's not there. Yeah, mm -hmm. almost like, okay, yeah. I ain't going to admit that I had anxiety or depression. Right. So I'm just mm -hmm. going to keep going. But anyway, mm -hmm. I uh, I was there and uh, I almost had a, a, a give up spirit. Because when I realized I couldn't stand anymore, I almost quit. But I heard my wife voice say, honey, you can do this. You, you can do this. And through this whole time, I couldn't see my family. So I went through all this by myself. The entire six weeks that you were hospitalized. I, was, I, was, I didn't have no visitors. The only time that I was able to see my wife was on the phone through uh, Facebook, uh, through the camera. That was it. I couldn't have no visitors for six weeks. That that really did me in. Mm. That really did me in. Yeah, you weren't able to see your kids. You weren't able yes. to see that support system. That's right. My my family, my brother, my sisters, my niece, all of them. I, I couldn't see them. And I cried a lot. Yeah. I think I cried more. <laughs> In the last six weeks than I did, I think, in my whole entire life. But I bet you but, you drew closer to the Lord. Yeah. And so when I started, uh, you know, allowing myself to say, you know what, you can do this. I was uh, getting myself ready. And the physical therapist told me, she said, I tell you what, because at this time, I just wanted to lay down. I didn't want to do nothing, just lay in the bed. And the physical therapist told me, she said, if you can walk from here, to the wall, I'll let you lay down. <laughs> that, mm -hmm. was, that was an incentive for me, right? Uh -huh, right. So guess what I did? I got up, stood up with the walker, and took my time, two step, all the way to the wall and touched it. Huh, because you wanted to lay down. There you go. <laughs> See, now you with me. We flowing, right? right? So when I did that, the, the, the uh, physical therapist said, Andre, you go ahead and lay down. I'm good. So I laid down. It wasn't even 10 minutes. Somebody came in my room and said, Andre, you getting ready to go to uh, therapy. Mm. I said, say that again. They said, yeah, the, the physical therapist just came and told us you walk from here to here and you getting ready to go to uh, physical therapy right now. Mm. Mm. I, I hurried up, got on the phone, called my, I said, baby, they getting ready to send me to therapy right now. I told her mm. what happened. Yeah. She was excited. Got over to Keith Haven. Shout out to Keith Haven. Uh, and, and what is that? Is that a uh, that's rehabilitation. a rehabilitation uh, slash nursing home? Okay. Mm -hmm. And I went over there, and I was there. I was supposed to be there fourteen days, <laughs> and I realized. I said, I don't want to be here fourteen days. I said, I already have been away from my home already too long. So what I did was I gave myself a shorter time to be ready to go home. All right now. So the physical therapist came in. I, I did some upper body work, but mainly they wanted to know if I could hold myself up, if I can walk, 
endurance and everything. So I went and did that. And uh, by the time I got done, I was able to walk from door to wall five times mm. with the walker. Mm-hmm. After I did that, I told the people, I said, y'all, I think I'm ready to go home. Mm. The therapist agreed. The nurses agreed. Wow. The lady that's the administrator, me and her uh, went to the same high school. So she was my the administrator there. And we go to the same church. Uh-huh. She even told mm-hmm. me, she said, Andre, you ain't going to be here long. Mm-hmm. She said, God is going to help you get out of here. And sure enough, May 22nd, on mm. a Friday. On a Friday. That was, the, that was the, one of the happiest days of my life. Because at 12 o'clock, yeah. my wife called me and told me she was outside the building. Uh-huh. Let me tell you what I did. And that's the first time you would be reunited with her? Yes. Oh, beautiful. Yes. You're going to have me shouting up in here. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, when, when she told me she was here, mm-hmm. let me tell you, this is how good God is. Mm-hmm. I got myself up, stood up, put mm-hmm. myself in a wheelchair with no help. On your own. Opened the door up, wheelchaired <laughs> myself out the room and to where she was. And mm-hmm. my wife was like, well, Andre, where you going? I said, I'm getting ready to go home. <laughs> they said, well, ain't nobody pushing you? I said, no, I don't need no help. I, I rolled myself in there. And they had a walker waiting for me at the door. They said, well, you want to be pushed out? I said, no, I want to walk out. Mm, mm, I got mm, on that walker. And I'm going to tell you something. When I went outside that door and I saw the outside, I just looked up at the sky and I told God, I said, God, I thank you. I just started blessing him because I knew that this was a miracle that I went through all this, mm-hmm. learning how to walk all over, getting my taste back, getting my smell back, getting my strength back and my endurance. I knew it was a miracle. I knew it was a miracle. And God, and you, and right now today, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm still having little issues in the after effect of COVID. I have uh-huh. neuropathy in my feet still. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But I am 80% to 85% better than I was before. Awesome. Awesome. That's a blessing. That is is definitely a blessing. So talk to me about when you came home, Yes, you did the rehabilitation. Uh You had some setbacks, right? I I think I read that you had some tremors and some other things that. Yes. I I started experiencing, um, I, you know, they had me on new medicine, Mm -hmm. you know, something that I never tried you know, so it can help me get better. And I had a, a, a this thing called a panic attack. I was sitting in the chair in my living room and I noticed I wasn't feeling well. And so I told my wife I was going to get up and lay down and go to bed. And so I got up and I noticed that I started getting dizzy walking from where I was to my bedroom. And I almost fell. Mm. So I went to sit on the bed. I had to, you know, collect myself. So then once I collected myself, I went into the restroom for a minute, then came back. And all of a sudden, I started shaking real bad. Mm-hmm. It was to the point that my wife, I called my wife and said, I said, uh, honey, can you come in here? Something ain't right. I'm in here shaking like I'm freezing. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, she, uh, she said, you want me to call the ambulance? And of course, you know how us men are. We don't want to go to the mm-hmm. hospital. 
We're going to be like, no, yeah. it's okay. It'll be all right. I'll get over it. But it didn't uh -huh. get better. And I'm right. just being honest. It didn't get better. And so we called an ambulance and everything and um, got to the hospital, uh, end up having uh, heaving situations happen. And uh, when I got in the room, they had to test me all over for COVID again. Oh, my goodness. Mm. So imagine where my mind was. Right, right. Lord, I don't went through enough. I don't want to go through COVID again. Mm -hmm. And they took the test and thank God it came back within hours. And me and my wife was sitting there and she was just calming me down. She played some meditation music for me. And uh, I was really meditating on this result. I didn't really care about nothing else. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know if I had COVID or not. So right, the doctor really came so. back in and told me, uh, they said, this, I said, uh, the first thing I asked, I said, now what is the, what about the COVID test? Can you mm -hmm. tell me about the COVID test? Do I have COVID? Mm -hmm. And they said, Mr. McGee, no, it came back negative. I said, mm. thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes, yes. Because, you know, that's why when you saw the video, I think I was very authentic because I'd be, I be wanting people to know that COVID is real. Yes. It's nothing to play with. Yes, some people be asymptomatic. Yes, some people have COVID and have symptoms. Some people went through just like I did. Mm -hmm. But I don't wish this on anyone. And if you can wear your mask, please do. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. They're talking yeah. about right now, and I, uh, as my wife stated, I work for uh, Flint Community Schools mm -hmm. as a paraprofessional. And I just got word that they might be going back into the buildings on the 26th of October. And I told my wife, I said, well, this is going to be one of the ones where I'm going to uh, talk to my boss. And, and, and get this right, because I'm not ready for to go yeah. back among people. No, uh-uh, no. You know, I might be doing better, but I don't want to put myself back in that situation again. That's right. Because right now, it they haven't shown that someone can have it again, but I don't want to be that getting pig. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, ma'am. And so, on top of all that, yes. you both live in Flint, Michigan. Yes. And so, you don't have to just deal with all of the Oh God, the racial issues we're going through, the yes. dealing with the COVID nineteen that we're dealing with, and you have to deal. You're still dealing with the water issue. Is that correct? Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma um, we we we're thankful. There are so many people in our community, and and I won't start to name names, but there's so many warriors in our community standing yes. up and fighting, and and uh, champion uh, being a champion for the cause. Um, still keeping it alive as much as we pass as much as possible the conversation about the water yes. Flint still needs clean water and so and and of course i i wouldn't want to misrepresent we we do live uh, right outside of the city in terms of like when you come to flint when you look at right outside the city could be like uh one street over okay. but mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you're still dealing with the same yeah. water supply Co co correct it's it's um uh the the you know those of us who live like what in what they call the suburban areas still working inside of the city right mm -hmm. um uh, have family members living in within the city limits um and friends and so yeah. um we're all affected by it in in one way or another whether 
directly or just peripherally through our family and friends or different and just the way it has changed our whole life same way COVID did you know what I'm saying Uh, dealing with the water has been a change of of life the same way dealing with this COVID situation has it's changed I, I say you know people talk about the new normal and I my phrase is everything is new but nothing is normal Mm, yeah, you know that's I mean? true. Yeah. That's very true. So <laughs> answer this for me. Uh, even with the, the water supply issue and you still need clean water, mm-hmm. so do you do everything out of water bottles? You're you not drinking out of the, the, the faucet? I mean, how do you survive day to day? A lot. <laughs> You're going to see a lot of bottled water out here. We drink bottled water. We have uh, jugs of water. Um, Again, we do live right, uh, we, we live in the township, so we we are afforded the opportunity to have um, another water supply, but even at that, we live, I mean, you know what I'm saying, people's, people, some things can give people a false sense of uh, safety, and okay. while, I, I, of course, I don't, again, I want to misspeak or misrepresent, sure, sure. but I still feel um, a deep sense of this issue impacting our community as a whole and so in our house you know we 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 buy water you know we we use bottled water and um uh and we buy water in jugs you know and gotcha gotcha so felicia you are a mental health advocate is that correct 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 COVID 19 mental health those worlds collide. Tell me, what are the effects of mental health on individuals such as Andre that have dealt with COVID-19? And I'm sure individuals that, that were positive and they're no longer positive, they still deal with the what ifs. What if it comes back? Individuals that are, have not tested positive still deal with, what if I get it? People are paranoid. People are not going outside. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're really, really cautious. So how does it affect the, the individuals? Well, one of the things I can say, and I can speak to this uh, quite personally, because one of the reasons that I'm passionate about uh, uh, mental health literacy as a mental health advocate is because I myself have a deep relationship with trauma, uh, complex trauma, post-traumatic stress, um, being a childhood sexual uh, abuse survivor, uh, domestic violence survivor, you know, in my teens, part, experienced intimate partner violence. And one of the things that I know, even with this COVID situation with COVID is, is we tackled, um, and Andre, for the first time in his life, um, we got a therapist because mm-hmm. the anxiety and the depression, yes, it, it was unavoidable, yes. you know, why, like he said, we've talked about this at length, how, you know, it's things that have happened in our lives and we've taken it, you know, we, we found our way to navigate it and cope. But this was a bit of an over-the-top experience. This, this brought him into an awareness, even living with me as an advocate and watching me and supporting me as I work to heal through my traumatic history. Yeah. He, he came into this experience where he was aware, like, the anxiety, the panic, 
the stress. Yeah. The, yeah. the uh, as human as as human uh, organisms, our bodies, the way our system responds to stress, which has the design to help us to be alert when we're in danger, but not having that turn off, right? Yeah. When we're constantly activated through the stress and the trauma, which again leads our biochemistry to get off because our body is is just putting out all the stress hormone, which further um, exacerbates illness because there's a deep correlation between the mind-body connection and how um, uh, 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 chronic stress can then uh, leave these hormones in the body constantly um, elevated, which then exacerbate or even may uh, initiate uh, health issues like diabetes, high blood pressure, things yeah. like that. And yeah. so um, as a mental health advocate uh, and someone who herself is uh, working through healing trauma, one of the things I, I see is just these, again, elevated and elevate, not only elevated um, anxiety and depression, but awareness, the awareness that people now have. People have a keen awareness of this uh, not feeling safe mm -hmm. in their Absolutely. bodies, in their homes. Because not only have we had a COVID and in Flint, the water crisis, but now we have, you know, a civil unrest, yeah. uh, racism, police brutality. We've yeah. seen, uh, uh, and even looking at... Uh, Kobe Bryant passing away, Chadwick Boseman, you know, people that we've kind of idolized and loved, along with people losing their loved ones. When my husband got sick, so when we started moving through March and April through June, I mean, we know personally, as well as people we know peripherally, people experiencing monumental loss. Right, right, you know? right. And just look at over 200,000 individuals have yes. passed away from COVID-19. Yes. So yes. Felicia, what are some tips that you can offer to individuals that are stressed out, they're paranoid, they're overly cautious? What are some things that we can do um, to protect ourselves mentally? One of the things that I, I, I often share uh, with people, whether I'm coaching, or even just, you know, having conversations where I'm holding space for people, you know, dealing with this agitation and frustration and stressfulness is just a number one thing, practice breathing. And, and, and it's so important, you know, when we're activated and we're stressed, there's a tendency to breathe very shallow. We don't even realize that a lot of times, you know, you don't even realize it's like... <gasps> Like you're holding your breath. You you get mm -hmm. in this mode of holding your breath, kind of waiting for things to happen. So such a, our, our autonomic nervous system, um, it can do what it does without us having to do anything. But breathing is one of the autonomic uh, systems that are uh, one of those autonomic things that we actually do have control over. You mm -hmm. know, we, we don't control our heartbeat and, and uh, the way uh, our... Uh, you know, our other systems work, but we can control breathing. Sometimes just stopping to take a few deep, long breaths in and out, that that actually helps the different chemicals in our brain kind of bring them back to stabilization. Just the practice of 
uh, deep breathing is really yeah. helpful. And it's something that doesn't cost you anything to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about stop watching the news? Can we do oh, that, that too? <laughs> yeah. well, and you know what? It, not that, all it, the news, not yeah. all of it, definitely. but overly definitely. consuming it. Well, yes. it'll do something to you as well. Yes. And, and and the breathing thing, I like to mention that, first of all, because it's something that we can do for ourselves when we can't control other things. Mm -hmm. But definitely, I, I definitely tell people, you know, reducing your consumption of news, uh, journaling, you know, mm -hmm. allowing yourself to get the, the feelings and emotions out versus having them trapped in. So they're trapped in your body and so they don't really get to move around and they exacerbate illness. You know, writing out your thoughts and feelings. I, I, I get up every day and write uh, uh, something about how I feel or what's happening around me just as a way of not to have all these feelings and emotions kind of pent up. Yeah. And uh, they're kind of trapped inside of me just uh, almost like waiting for a time like a Jackson about, you know, yeah. just winding up waiting to blow kind of that's thing. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's real good. Well, look, Breathe Again is a moment of hope, inspiration, and solutions. We talk about the issues, but we also want to provide some solutions. And Felicia, I'm going to have to have you back on the show because we need to share some of your, your testimonies and your stories um, of hope, inspiration, and solutions. Um, because I do believe you have a phenomenal story to, to tell and you will help so many individuals. But Andre, right now, if someone was dealing with what you had to deal with and they're really, um, they're depressed, they're going through, they don't know yeah. which way to go. Yeah. How would you minister to that individual if they're listening to the show right now? Oh man, you trying, you trying, you trying to get me going, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but you know, if I had to say something to someone uh, that is experiencing COVID right now, uh, maybe uh, stressing about experiencing it, I would tell them find you a therapist. Okay. Find you a therapist and talk to someone. I'm, I'm going to tell you why I say that, because I had to do it myself. Mm -hmm. It was a time that I thought talking to a therapist was crazy, but I had to realize that that's not true. And we was always taught that, that you know, and I, I can say this in, in, in some church organizations, they teach us that, they, they try to teach us not to talk to therapists. But mm -hmm. I, I'm, right. telling, I'm, I'm saying this now, Andre McGee saying, find you someone to talk to. That's right. That's right. Get it off. Your, I guarantee you'll feel better. I'm talking to a therapist right now. And mm -hmm. let me tell you something. I feel awesome every time I get done talking to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I, 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 think I made the best decision in my life to talk to some, uh, a therapist. And then I also said this. If you can't find a therapist, find somebody you trust. That's right. That has your best interest at heart. Come, I ain't say that about, again for the people in the back. Say that yeah, one. I'm going that to part. the back. I'm going to the <laughs> back. <laughs> yes. I ain't talking about the people that want to know your business. Come on through. I'm here. talking about people that have your best interest at heart, best interest at heart, mm -hmm. and they want to see you do better. Yeah. Whether it's a, a pastor, a first lady, a auntie, uncle, grandfather, grandmother, a friend, find somebody you trust and talk to them. Yeah. And all we and, and, and all we need to do is just listen. Cause sometimes mm. 
we don't have to give a response every time somebody talks to us. I learned that too. Find somebody to talk to. Make sure they listen to you. Listen attentively and get it off your chest. And I promise you, you'll feel better. Awesome. Awesome. And on that note, that has been our time. Oh, y'all blessed me on tonight. (laughs) Y'all both blessed me on tonight. Thank you so much for for joining me and sharing your story with us and really encouraging people that are going through because there are many people going through and they feel like they're by themselves and in really touching those individuals that feel as though that they they don't have anyone. So thank you so much for joining me today. And if someone wants to reach out to you, how would they contact you? To contact me, you would uh, contact me at my email. My email is uh, phases of grace, and that's P H A S E S O F G R A C E, phases of grace at gmail.com. Awesome, awesome. And if you want to contact me, my email is amcgee2969 at gmail.com. Wonderful. Again, thank you so much. God bless the both of you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.